Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure that hospitality stays interesting and the big dull formulaic brands do not take over our high street please enjoy the show In this week's podcast episode, we are chatting to Emily Davies from Dorset Blue Vinny and the Dorset Blue Soup Company. Now, unique is often a misused word, but this week you'll hear about a delicious food product that really is one of a kind. In the early 1980s, dairy farmer Michael Davies resurrected a 300-year-old recipe for Dorset Blue Vinny, a subtly veined cheese which is much more delicate than Stilton, its nearest relative. Now, nowadays, Michael Michael's daughter Emily is in charge of production, overseeing the only farm in the world that has the legal right to produce this type of blue cheese. And today you're going to hear how the patient Davies family had to put up with blue mould on their cornflakes in the early days of Michael's cheese experiments, and why Emily describes beta versions as nuclear. You'll also discover how a disappointing trip to a farmer's market led to a whole branch of the Blue Vinny business developing and why wonky cucumbers and misshapen cheese offcuts have a special place in Emily's heart. I very much hope you enjoy this week's conversation. Okay, morning, Emily. Thank you so much for sparing the time to allow me to invade your business and almost your home. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Mark. Absolute pleasure to welcome you here. So I've just driven across the country, as I often start these uh, podcasts now, because I keep ending up in the most random of places. Can you just explain where in the world are we, please? Yeah, well, we're in the depths of Dorset, really. North Dorset. So we're about six miles from Sherbourne and uh, about five miles from Stemmets to Newton. Okay, yeah. and this is the actual farm where you produce your... And this is the actual cheese. farm and the, the only farm live. that actually produced Dorset Blue Vinny cheese. Yeah, exactly. So this is the, the family home. This is where I grew up, um, me and my brother. So yes, yeah, so this yeah. is where it's so, always well, been. I'm, I'm excited to find out how you ended up here, but but uh, Blue Vinny is pre-you, isn't it? And, and Blue Vinny, which I've known for years, I guess I'm from Dorset, but I'm, I'm hoping people across the country know it as well. It's uh, It's got an amazing Such reputation and I can't yeah. wait to hear it. Uh, but yeah, pre your involvement, it had a pretty kind of interesting history, I think. Can you just explain, yeah, where did where did Blue Vinny come from before your family? Yeah, there's a lot of history behind the cheese, which makes it quite mystical and magical, really. And it uh, used to be made in nearly every farmhouse in Dorset, really, when the farmer would, uh, the farmer's wife would basically hand skim the milk and uh, leave the cream for the farmer's wife to make the cheese and butter from. And then times changed and the uh, MMB, the Milk Marketing Board, came on board and the, basically the farmer then could command a much better price for his milk. And so uh, the farmer would say, well, that's no more milk for the wife then, for the butter and the cheese. So it was all going up to London to be sold. So the cheese eventually actually died a death, completely died a death. But um, when it was made in, in lots of farmhouses, there was some brilliant stories about how it used to go blue um, by using slug slime to dragging mouldy horse harnesses through the milk to standing the farmer's wellies, dirty wellies by the vat. Um, 
I guess you'll be pleased that we don't use any of those now. Have you tested any of those theories? Do they actually work? That's right, no. We've stayed away, but we make a very good modern interpretation, we like to think, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing, yeah, the modern interpretation of a horse harness. Exactly. It's like the mind boggles, yeah. So, yeah, and it was because the cheese then died out, it it itself shrouded itself in mystery, really. And when was that? When did it actually um, die out? So that was just after the war, really. Second yes, war. yeah, exactly. Right. And um, but it had been around for you know nearly three hundred years. And that, that was around really, the time that milk prices, yeah. you know, had that impact. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. It's, okay. uh, and then your you know, your dad had a he found a recipe or he had a recipe that well, was something like 200 years old what's, what's, what's that story dad, yeah my dad and he he resurrected it um, entirely because it was in a time early 1980s when we were in the time of butter butter mountains milk floods and you know, he was getting up every day at half past four quarters to five to milk 220 250 cows and for, for a product that nobody wanted so you he was know. a dairy farmer he was a dairy already. farmer right, right here here on the farm yeah he was a dairy farmer and you know became quite soul destroying really and so he just thought well what what can I do what can I do to keep myself motivated and he'd actually trained as a cheesemaker and not as a farmer I mean he he was actually the son of a naval officer who actually when grandpa left the navy also trained in came into farming as well right. but um but dad was at cannington college and he went down there to train um in farming and agriculture but when he turned up down there and um was shown around the college um and when they opened the the door the classroom to the dairy course the cheese making course well when he saw i think that there was probably a ratio of 25 women to about three men i think that was the decider that he was going to go that route rather Brilliant. than the farming so he had cheese making as a you know, he had been trained as a cheesemaker. And um, we had a great friend who said, Michael, have you ever thought about making cheese? And he said, well, you know, I have got a bit of knowledge on it. Um, but of course, right where we are, we are right on the cusp of big cheddar mm. country, big cheddar boys surrounding us. And he also knew that he didn't want to make a soft cheese. So um, somebody said, well, what about Dorset Blue Vinny? You know, it's gone, it's died a death, it's legendary mm -hmm. so we started here um in the line early 1980s secondhand vat in the garage um and we made our first batch of cheese well it was <laughs> it was quite interesting we then matured the cheese in mum's pantry in the farmhouse here and um we sort of always laugh because we remember it all so well that when we actually cut the cheese eventually um i mean the, it, i mean the walls have gone blue in the pantry i mean it, it was just a nightmare it was absolute nightmare and um anyway when we cut the cheese we always laugh because we think it had a, a shelf life of about 0.2 seconds really? it was nuclear wow. you know yeah it was were you just, was you just were looking at this was your dad as he was some sort of crazy eccentric way was this um, was this was this plan as a <laughs> Was yeah, it a deliberate probably. ploy from day one to try and make this yeah. a big business? Yeah. Or, or? Um, I I think obviously that was probably his end game. You know, he he was quite a leader in the market. I think, in as much as in the last ten years, it's all been 10, 15 years. It's all been about the buzzwords have been you know diversify and you know value add and. You know, my dad did that 35 years ago, or started to look at the 35, you know, for which we're really proud of him. You know, we're really proud of the cheese, but we're really proud that he thought mm. about that then. And I guess he wanted to, you know, make what he was doing, getting up every day, working hard, 
you know, to produce something that people did want. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the trigger was the the glut of milk. Why did we have that with the, the, the butter mountains and stuff? I, I sort of remember it distantly, but can't remember the reasons why. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I probably couldn't give you any factual real reasons of why, but... Um, and has that changed now, though? Is it no longer the guy? I mean, I know um, there's Because problems. they introduced quotas and right. because there okay. was obviously certain like, so the, the supply the and demand to try and, and, yeah, level the market. But... Um, um, I mean, it's changed beyond. The industry has changed massively now. But, yeah. um, and have you still got the same number of cows? Because we'll, I know. Yeah, so we're about 250 now, 250, yeah. But and that was the same back breed, then? Yeah, it was probably not quite as many, just, you know, around about 200, 220. Um, but um, yeah, so we're around about 250 now. We, we breed rear all our own replacements and everything. So okay. we're still doing milk as well? Or is it yeah, all yeah, for, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, how long did it take to get the cheese right then back into um, the. Uh, your, I don't your think butter, we have yet. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great answer. Uh, yeah, it's never, it's never I finished. honestly don't think we have. Mark. <laughs> How long I really will it be don't... in your generation? Oh my goodness, no, no. I it's. But you're no longer scraping it off the walls, at least. And it, your no. cornflakes were going mouldy when you were a kid, then, were they? Or um... cornflakes, marmalade, everything. You know, we'd 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 open up a something would lift a lid or something. And go, oh, mum's holding an experiment in here. But it was my wife was patient with all of my crazy plans. But I think, although she's a big fan of blue cheese, but I think if everything in the house tastes the yeah. she might be fine. Yeah, but so you got Dad soon quickly got his marching orders. You yeah. know, when okay. when so it started to said, right, actually, you know what, it's a divorce all out down there. So, so we actually converted one of the um, cow birds down at the bottom of the yard. <clears throat> And that's where we still make it today, you know. So um, not much is. Does really it last changed. longer now than zero point two seconds? It does last a bit. <laughs> it does last a bit longer now. Yeah, yes. And and it is, you know. You say when? How? When did we perfect? We haven't. Yeah. You know. I think. But that's the magic of the product as well. It's handmade. You know. It really does vary. We used to say it would vary according to what colour socks my dad would wear when he was milking. It it was that much of a diva and um it varies on the weather, you know, on where where the cow what the cows are eating. But we diet feed the cows now, so it's much more tightly regulated what the cows are being fed. Okay. So you don't have the fluctuations like we used to have. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's so, interesting. I was going to say, is, is the were the fluctuations because of the specific type of cheese it is, or is that the same in all cheese, or did you just come up with a particularly complicated one? Um, I, it would be the same for for all cheese. You know, completely dependent on the cow's diet, and yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I remember Dad declining from a feed merchant a um, a large consignment of bananas. Because they'd come in and and uh, he said, "Oh, you know, they were trying to flog them as food." And he said, "Well, we can't have bananas here because it'll make the cheese taste of bananas." I, just, I think the cows eat bananas. You know? Yeah, or this well, there we else? go. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But you know, we 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 experienced it when um, we put them on the turnips. We used to grow turnips and. We put the cows on the turnips and oh dear, that was really? a big whack whack. Oops, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And the it makes a big difference even massive, all the way through because you're talking about you know it's mm. a few it's a few stages through mm. the process, isn't it? Mm. By the time you've got the way, what's what's mm. the actual the process then of making your cheese and how does that compare to to other cheese? I'm going to use my naivety now, having never yeah. made a cheese. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what's the process? Okay, so we use the morning milk from our our own herd here. So we bring that down in the morning. 
Um, as, as opposed to the afternoon As milk. opposed to the afternoon. Brilliant. I love this detail. So what's the milk. difference between the morning milk so and the afternoon milk? So it tends to be a little bit higher in fat and the better Billy. content. I love that. I love, the, I love, the, I love the, that level of detail. The whole kind yeah. of, yeah, the, okay. the kind of milk morning makeup milk is a little only. bit different. Yeah. Nice. So um, so the morning milk comes down and, um, and then it's uh, pumped um, into the vat and it then sits for about an hour and a half, a couple of hours. Right. And then we hand skim the milk. So and it was always a hand skimmed cheese. So it was slightly crumblier cheese, um, lower in fat. It's obviously not a low in fat because of the way, but it's hand skimmed. So we take the cream off and uh, and then we add all the magic, so the starter and the rennet. And actually we add the blue in a liquid form at that stage as well. Right. So that all goes in. And what, then it's all... What is the blue? Um, so it's actually a Roquefort penicillium. So okay. it is... Well, so, so I haven't come to that recipe, but I just wonder what it's not to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, and that's in a, in a, in a liquid format. Really. Okay. So, um, so it's all added and stirred and then it's rested and then it's left overnight. And um, and then in the morning, you're, you've got this brilliant vision of... A, a really a mattress that's the only way I can describe it of a mattress of curd wow. with in amongst the way so you've got your real curds and whey scenario okay there. and um and then it's ground down into a um very small pieces and it's packed into the molds all of this is done by hand right all of it's done by hand and um uh they're packed into the molds and then it's a case of just nurturing it turning it turning them every day to make sure that the drainage works and um for how long uh so it's they are turned every day for their first uh eight weeks of their life wow. every day like, yeah and you do this every day or? yep yeah well so we only we're making we make between three and five times a week depending okay. on the time of so, year yeah. and and um various different things and so uh yeah so they're turned every day for the first eight weeks of their life and then after that they're turned every other day and then they go out anything from sort of 15 weeks up to 18 weeks old amazing a little, a little child out into the world. Yeah. And then there's, there's a lots of uh, blue cheeses. So what's, what's distinctive apart from that? That actual yeah. journey sounds incredibly labour intensive. And yeah. They, they obviously get a lot of love along the way if you yeah. do it all by hand. But are there other things that make it particularly distinctive? Um, Not the bananas. Uh, uh, yeah, it's that part of bananas. Um, uh, you know, the the specifics grazing of the you know the the pastures of the Blackmore Vale. You know, we're here on Oxford clay. Um, but its nearest relative as a cheese would be Stilton. Right. But our um, cheese is much more delicate. It has a much more delicate veining pattern than a Stilton. So for some other blue cheeses, you can get quite a hard-hitting mm. impact of flavour, whereas ours is much more subtle and the veining pattern is much more subtle. So um, people are often surprised that it's not... As strong mm, it's as, quite creamy, yeah, it's that's right. It maintains it's it. creamy, yeah, exactly. And that's what we really like, you know. So we can yeah. get that veining pattern, but it's not a hard hitting. It's a yeah, just a slightly lighter, peppery tasting yeah. blue cheese. Well, so it's interesting to know it's not finished because I think most people think you've nailed it, isn't it? And in 1998, yeah. you were given what's what's the accreditation? <clears throat> oh yeah, so in 1998, we were awarded the first. We were the first people to be awarded a. Uh, a protected food name for a foods in Britain, which we got awarded the protected geographical indicator, a PGI. Right. So that <clears throat> basically says that if anybody else wants to make the cheese, they can make the cheese, but they have to make it um, to our recipe. Oh, really? 
Mm. They, they to try and st- allow some sort of standardization so that you have a, you know. Okay. They, 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 they we, have to have your permission? Or they um, make yeah, it? So, yeah. yeah, so we have to work. Um, yeah. But um, it's always a little bit interesting because as soon as we struggle to make two two batches the same i'm yeah, well, not sure how yeah, that would yeah, go true. but yeah okay yeah. that's interesting so uh because that's quite common in in france you know they have Absolutely. a reputation for really putting you know, the fact that we can't yeah. call english sparkling wine yes. champagne and yes and and you know rioca and all that kind of stuff i yeah. suppose but that was yeah, unprecedented back then has it happened yeah. a lot more since Do yeah lot? there are there are many more now foods right. that are protected okay. you know stilton is protected and port melton maybe pork pie it would be odd I suppose it happens, and it? it would feel odd if Dorset Blue Vinny was made anywhere than apart from in Dorset. Well, though, wouldn't it would it? be so, slightly suppose, odd, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I suppose it's become yeah. a, a, yeah. a a brand name. But that's yeah. been that's been helpful. And it's, yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. Okay, so um, at that time when this was all happening, all the kind of the creative side. How old were you then? Um, so I was about eight. Okay, yeah, fine. Eight you clearly remember it well then. And, yes. And, and, uh, yeah. Yes. There's right. slightly bizarre goings on. So what point, because you didn't come straight into the kind of family farming then, you were teaching, no. was it tennis yeah, or something? That's what right. was, what yeah, that's right. What was your journey? Right. Yeah, my journey was slightly, was slightly odd. And um, I um, went to school locally and then I really didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest. I wanted I to be <laughs> outside. I didn't want to be stuck in an office. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And Did you specifically not want to be on the farm? or uh, No, um, not at all, no. Um, I think that, I think probably it was more a case of um, mum and dad probably didn't want to encourage it, probably. Really? Not not entirely. Um, sport was a big part of my life. I loved my sport, um, um, particularly my tennis, but um, my mum was a sports teacher and, of course... The, probably the encouragement would have been to go that way, but because she was a sports teacher, obviously that was a good enough reason not to do it, wasn't it? Of course, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I did cause a little bit, I had a little bit of a bumpy road really, but I ended up at Sparshall Agricultural College and um, okay. did a two-year uh, business of finance up there and absolutely loved it and met some brilliant, brilliant people and I absolutely loved it. Um, it gave me a good balance between, you know, farming life and 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 office based really. Um, so, but when I was up there, you know, I'd, when I was coming home, it was never to be busy times, you know, Christmas and all that sort of thing. So I'd always be pretty involved down in the cheese room and started doing a few hampers and gifty things like that. And and then um, that was really my life with at college. But I. Then ended up working, I worked at uh, Broadlands up in Romsey for nearly four years as a farm secretary. Absolutely loved it. It was the most, it was a cracking job. It was a brilliant, it was a brilliant way of seeing a different side of farming, you know, a much bigger farm and estate compared to, you know, what we're doing here. And then um, I think the, the kind of being outside itch probably got a bit too big to scratch. So I... So do you know what I've got it? So I, I I went off and trained in various, um, got various teaching qualifications for for sports and but I ended up on a tennis court for nearly ten years. Did yeah, you? Yeah, wow. teaching tennis for ten. Locally years. or? Yeah, at, in at Sherborne Tennis Club and then travelling around and. Okay. Oh, I loved it. Was your mum pleased? Absolutely loved it. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Finally. And actually, actually, with with great respect, she managed to avoid those words. I told you Did so. She? Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, I'm never quite, yeah, yeah, never yeah. quite sure how. But yeah. yeah. 
yeah so okay excellent so at some point though there's a trigger that brings you back into mm. the uh, into the family business yes. what was that were you getting tired on the tennis court no <laughs> I, you know I absolutely loved it I absolutely loved it but of course it brought me back to living back here at home and so I was right in the middle of it and um, were your brothers working? And my here? brother runs the farm. He was right. he was back, so we were <laughs> we were both back here. I think Mum and Dad thought, what have we done wrong to yeah, we funny, haven't got a shot of either of them? And I said we want to take it as a compliment, really, that we're right. happy to be here. Yeah, you know? and I guess it's interesting because with, with this side of business, what happens if you don't? Because they're they're challenging businesses. Yeah. They either end up closing yeah i don't know inevitably there seems to be multi-generations of farmers yeah. right? rarely do they seem to get sold as a going concern yeah, it kind right. of like the end of the herd ends up leaving and you end up that's living right. here so so presumably they were that's right. at some point excited to yeah, see you were they sure, once they got over the shop sure they that, just uh, were delighted you, you rocked up in the kitchen yeah that's right yeah exactly so yeah so i guess i was part you know just being here um, so again, did it involve rather than a specific trigger uh, that absolutely went, you didn't uh, yeah. get a phone call and go help we're, no, we're buried definitely in, not. we're no. buried in way no that's right no I think you, you absolutely have to kind of carve your niche a little bit you know because I you know the, as a yeah just as a family business you know you can just rock and say well here I am and what can I do and now I'm paying for it you yeah. know you, it, it doesn't work like that you know you yeah. have to prove yourself so I so I thought okay so it was an opportunity for me to start going to farmers markets which we weren't doing anything like that you see so and it was the so kind of onset of the farmers market which was which okay was so by this point the cheese is established and you're selling so the cheese it is established. You, you, the family are selling, selling it, it yes point. yeah okay. going through um a healthy infrastructure of, of cheese wholesalers really right. So um, everybody, they would come here, collect it, and then they do all the distribution for us, of which is exactly how we operate still today. Okay. Yeah. So how long ago was it that you came back in? Um, so I came home in um, about 96, 97. Wow. Yeah. I didn't want to sound, it's a fair old amount of time then, isn't yeah. it? Been, yeah, yeah. I reckon back. it was 96, 97, roundabout. Yes. Okay. And at that point, were there were there specific um, you know, changes that needed to be made, or you, like you say, you you came in and, and your bit was the route to market, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just looking at different different avenues, really. You know. You didn't um, come in and go, hey, I need to revolutionise this piece. No, not so, at all. No, no, absolutely not. That evolutionary journey. Yeah, definitely. It was just about perhaps having the opportunity to go out there and just put it in front of. The consumer directly and of course we were lucky you know we had the farmers market in Sherbourne and they were really up and coming and it was an ideal way to talk to people about it really because you know it's it's we're lucky we we work with these wholesalers and it's absolutely it's brilliant the downside to that is that we lose track of where it goes so it's quite difficult to you know locate stockists the whole time so that's a kind of ever sort of a problem that we never really get to the bottom of. We're always sort of, that's work in progress the whole time. Um, so it was nice to get out in front of people and get them to try the cheese and... Okay. Do, do, have you ever been any places where you've turned up and found your cheese and been surprised? And gone, no. No? No, I don't think so, no. Okay. Uh, but it's it's growth since then. At that point, was this a... I mean, I don't, I don't know how... You make something like how many tons of cheese is it you now make? Um, yeah, so we make about three, three and a half tons a month. A month, yes. okay, fine. And what was yes. it back then? Has there been a, you know, has it been a, a, yeah. a big, yeah, yeah, big yeah, level of yeah, growth? that's right. Yes, it would have been sort of half a ton a ton, right. a month. 
Yeah, okay. exactly. So and and how, how have you growth. achieved that then? What's been the... Uh... Um, you know, it's just been uh, a good, steady, better bit of marketing, I suppose, just getting it out there, having a slightly more consistent product. I use the word slightly more, because it does still <laughs> fluctuate. And actually, some people love that. Right. because it's real you yeah. know it, it keeps the product really really real so even now with the controlled diet on the cows mm. what, what are the other variables then that still well of course we were unclasterized then so right. um which made a massive difference in as much as to the milk and or you know whereas now we are unfortunately pasteurizing the cheese Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Because most people. Uh, because we're living in a in a in a, a high risk TB area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So because we farm in a high risk TB, it's right. And that's regulated, then, isn't it? You're, 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 it's compulsory. No, to, absolutely no? not compulsory. Okay. No. And um, but having rubbed shoulders with a little bit of EU legislation four years ago, um, it became massively apparent that we could not live under the threat of it really? because the business could disappear overnight yeah. so um the decision was made that we would switch to being pasteurized okay. um because then we could control what we were doing and, and we and, weren't in the and again you're gonna have to excuse my naivety but how does that help so to tb is normally caught how and, and is it a good case if, if one cow catches it you lose your herd or, um no or they, there's a there's a testing program that goes on um we're tested very regularly um it's a political hot potato is it i'm gonna be your rats come on <laughs> very much so no that's probably too you might have to edit rather than that. yeah it's uh it's a it's a real political hot potato okay um it's um, and it, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. If if you're we're tested regularly, um, if anything is found with TB, then obviously they're sent to isolation and then then they're culled. Really? Um, the, the the entire herd, and then those animals that are, and then you're tested contact. again. Um, yeah, it's a we're on a treadmill. I right. think it's a. The frustrating thing about TB is that it doesn't reflect the way you farm. It's not whether you're a good farmer, bad farmer, indifferent farmer, or where you fight, it's, it's, yeah, very, very frustrating. Okay. Yeah. And why is this a particularly high risk area? Um, because there's um, uh, quite a high population of badgers and oh, they really? believe that the badgers wow. um, okay. are obviously involved in... And that's another TV political and... hot potato. Very much so. There's, there's several at the face. moment. Topic, <laughs> topics to avoid. Oh, no, we're going down this. I was going to say rabbit hole, but clearly... Uh, yeah, rabbit hole. hole so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But I think it's important because people don't realise the complexities of what goes no. on in the food chain. You know, they've no. literally got no idea. No. And too often... You know, and this is my worry is that we end up compromising so much. You know, we we have it in our sector with regards to food allergies to a certain extent, yeah. but certainly food calories on every dish. And and I've mentioned this before, but you know, for me, food should be local and seasonal and ethical yeah. and it does change and it changes all the time. And yeah. therefore when you get to the, the, the kitchen side of it and chefs actually using it, you might use a different amount of blue vinny or a different amount of salt or stock or a different amount of meat, depending on how tender it is. Yeah. And therefore, if you're getting food in a proper kitchen made fresh, actually having a complete list of, you know, to the nearest calorie and every single allergen mm. is really tricky. So you understand the motivation to, to uh, legislate, but sometimes mm. we seem to do it the wrong way because you get to the point where all food's got to be produced in a clinic factory yeah. and not made by real human beings absolutely so, uh, yeah. absolutely and that's where we we're still very lucky that we can um you know we have got we are using our own milk um it's still very much handmade 
It is not. It isn't. Every batch is not the same. No. It's, and when you walk through the maturing rooms, you know, they're, they are, they're individuals. They are individuals, as, as bonkers as that might sound. <laughs> Probably inhaled too, too much ammonia down there in my time. But they, you know, they they are. They're all individuals. And, and do you and still get a buzz out of that? That, that, that massive, management process is massive, literally be- loving each Yes, each because part it's... Of the journey. They are so... It, it, it comes with so many frustrations as well, which is why you need the, you need the lows to make the highs, don't you? And, and, and it can be so frustrating. It can be so frustrating, but it equally is so rewarding, you know? And we're really, really proud of what we do, and we've got a cracking team behind us. And okay. without them, it, it's impossible. You have to be pulling in the same direction as a small team. And and, and the, with those variables, is it ever disastrous enough that you have to throw a batch away? Or is it, is it I mean, what um, can you do once it's there and you've, you've got to turn it and love it? But how do you yeah. actually go, this isn't quite right? What what, what effect can you have yeah, on the yeah. process? So we, you can, I mean, there are, there are sort of um, areas in the process you know you they talk about a, a slow vat which you which is something you don't quite get the acidity as you should do for when you're making cheese and um so then it won't mature as you want it to and it will for us it will come out very cheddary and might not go blue so but it's very unusual there are steps you can put in place um to prevent that so um you know which we we obviously do but you can have the odd one on occasions but um, touch wood, you know, for the last four or five years, there's been, yeah. That feels uh, like a pretty good run. Yeah, yeah. it feels like a pretty good run. Yes, it does. Yes, but it, there are ones that will go bluer faster than the other ones. You know, there are, last year, you know, in all that heat, it, I know it sounds a bit mad, but that heat did affect them. You know, it was so intense, that heat, you know, when... You know, you up the, you've got to get the humidity right and the temperature control right. And, you know, if you're opening, inevitably opening a door and it's so hot outside, you're drawing in warm air. And, you know, that has a big impact. Likewise, when we have a really, really cold, you know, that upsets them all as well. well you know? I, I share your uh, enthusiasm and love for the fact that it's a product that's different because it shows it's fresh and mm. it shows it's handmade. How does that compare then? Because, I don't know, do you supply supermarkets? Or? No. No. Is that a conscious decision or? Um, it's, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's a conscious decision um, because there's a, a lack of probably understanding. Well, I was going to say, I presume that that uh, variability would be a problem for them Absolutely. anyway and it would be a problem for you and, and I've only known you for 40 yeah. minutes but I know you wouldn't compromise already mm. and just say, okay, fine, yes, we'll do this to the cheese to make it, yeah. to make it last yeah. longer. So what's going on then? Presumably your, your average person, Joe Bloggs, walking into the supermarket and buying a different product. What, how are they managing that process differently and that variability? And presumably they're doing some stuff to that product that you wouldn't agree with and and that makes yours better. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really, honestly know much about. But they'll just be, you know, they're much bigger. It'll be a factory environment as opposed to a, you know, very much a, a, a farmhouse environment. You know that we're working in, um, and probably they wouldn't let the heat of the summer last year affect their cheese. You know, they'd be probably dare I say it much more on it. But we. That's not how we are, you know. We we enjoy those variables. It's the challenge. It keeps it real for us. Yeah. Um, I think if we if every day we were turning out exactly the same, 
how boring, how, what, how dull the world would be. That's yeah. the point of this. I always say, yeah, we don't want the world to be beige and formulaic and no. dull. It's the same with, sealed. That's with not... formulaic no. restaurants. But are there cheats they can do? So I certainly know with smoked cheese, for example, you know, you can smoke cheese properly with mm. smoke or you can inject, you know, yeah, kind of chemical sure. smoke and stuff yeah, like that. Is, sure. there, is there the same sort of thing in the blue cheese? Are there uh, ways of taking shortcuts? I, I would doubt it because it's okay, quite so a scientific so the, so the, 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 the process method. is... Yes, it's very scientifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and you have to achieve levels of acidity. And, and I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine that there are too many corners that can be cut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you don't know. So that's good, is it? No yeah. point cheating. Just keep 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 yeah. doing it with love. Um, <laughs> and you've had some some good years. And so now you're you know you're you seem to be well known. Do you distribute nationally? You say you go to the to the wholesalers. Does mm. the cheese go all over the country? Does it go abroad? Or? Yeah. So the cheese does has got national distribution. Right. Obviously, we're much stronger in the southwest. Um, so and it's got a quite a loyal following. It in, has, in, yeah. In you have a phenomenal reputation. Yeah. You personally, actually, everybody yeah, I meet, you goes, "Oh, she's absolutely lovely. It'll oh. be great to go and see you." But but also equally, yeah, your your cheese it's, locally. And I don't know enough no. uh, nationally, which is what I'm interested. In. But yeah, yeah. In Dorset, I think everybody knows. Yeah, uh, Dorset like, which is incredible. So, really. It's nice because everybody um, is a little piece of it. I, I think. I think we particularly notice when we do go to shows and, and, and online at Christmas time and things like that because, you know, people are buying it for their grandpa who now lives in Nottingham or something or, or you know, an, an auntie that has had it for ages and have great fond memories or they've moved away from the county and, you know, but they still have really lovely fond memories of the cheese. So it's always really lovely to see that, that people are buying it because they want to pass it on as a gift to, you know, somebody who's... Um, so, yeah, we've got national distribution... Uh, we don't actually export. No. no. Um, You're not sending it to France. I always like that. I was interviewing no, wine, English we aren't. wines now going to France. I know. I yeah, it's uh, absolutely true. brilliant. But we love it when people say, um, you know, we're taking this to France. Yeah. Just, so. you know. Or um, it's, I, somebody called in last week and they're taking it to America. It was found on a, on a, on a um, cruise ship on, on Antarctica. Really? Somebody's taking it to New Mexico next week. So people are taking it. But it's, send you photos it's, of your cheese it's in absolutely, Exactly. It is, it's brilliant, isn't it? So we love to hear that. But to, to, to be honest, Mark, distribution is one of our biggest headaches right. because it has to travel chilled, okay. um, you know, for the, for, for, um, for the business, you know, for wholesalers and all of that and export, it has, it has to go chilled. So we've always stayed well away from any sort of distribution, leave it to the professionals, you know, and these cheese wholesalers know what they're doing. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we struggle to get it to Bournemouth. Really? You know, it's it's difficult, you know, to always, um, somebody wants it in Romsey, they, they would go, oh, gosh, where are we? You know, it's difficult. This is if you do it yourself. So you do do, you do do some deliveries yourself. No, so, no nothing. All, all through. through, all through the whole series. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, but I guess that comes back as well to, you know, these, these delis, people, we are reliant on the delis, on the butchers, on those small independents, coffee shops, cafes, farm shops, those are our absolute lifeblood that we we are totally reliant on, you know, and yeah. working with them. Okay, because I see your products a lot and we use it a lot in, in our restaurants and I see it in a yeah, lot of bars you. and restaurants. No, thank you. It's, it's great to have a, you know, we'll always try and find a, a an English product if we can. We always want it to be local as possible. It's great that you'll Dorset, mm. but, but even British would be great yeah. because... 
I certainly think historically the cheese board, you know, was was always classically French, and it seems Absolutely. ridiculous because we make so many incredible Amazing. cheeses, and we make really diverse cheeses. It's Amazing. not just about the cheddar, is it? No. We do some incredible cheeses in Britain, and in the same way as English sparkling wine, I think finally people have started to catch up yeah. and realise that. I used to get upset. So a couple of years ago with cider, and all of a sudden my bar team started importing uh, cider. It was a Norwegian, some sort of Norwegian cider became into fashion, and I was like, man, we've been making cider for yeah. multi generations yeah. in this country. Apples is something we're yeah. really good at. I get it with coffee and definitely certain wine that yeah. really is really hot countries. But when we make uh, a beautiful product, yeah, I think it's uh, it's important it's that we good. celebrate it. So, so yeah, presumably the bars and restaurants are a significant part of your customer base. Mm. Did you, do you know from the wholesalers where most of your stuff goes? Mm. Does it go directly to the consumer or does it generally go, you know, bars and restaurants or is it a bit of a split? It's a good split, yeah. whether it's going into food service and um, going in that way on cheese balls or being cooked with, um, or again into the independents, into the farm shops and delis and being served from their chilled counter, you know, from their deli counter. Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's a good split. But you it's often presumably split. turn up in a pub and see it on the menu. Yeah, yes. brilliant. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're. Um, do you always have to order it? And make sure they've uh, treated it well. Order it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad, if he goes in and sees it somewhere, he very often will make the admission to really? making it. But um, that's funny. It's it's always a really lovely feeling to yeah. see it. To see it on the menu is. It's awesome because the great thing about our cheese is it is multifunctional. You know, you can put it on the cheese board um, and obviously it's fantastic, but um, especially with our chutney um, or you can cook with it. So it's you see it in so many different forms. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, whether it be, you know, in a quiche, in a burger. Um, you know, I mean, you could on on a on a steak. I mean, there's so many different formats yeah. that you can see our cheese in, and even soup. So you diversified. So how, how long ago was it? You got <laughs> yeah. into soup, and how did that happen? So yeah, that was a that was a you know mistake, or you know, in as much as you kind of end up. How did that happen? I was coming back from Froome Farmers Market actually one day, and um, I had a bit of cheese left over, and I thought, now now what am I going to do with this? And um, because once we've cut it, because we only sell to the wholesalers here, once I'd cut it into a piece, it effectively was waste. So um, anyway, I just had a harebrained idea that I would make soup. And my godmother is, was in the um, catering industry, Wendy Horn. And so she ha- at the time, she had a unit just up the road. So I arrived on the Monday morning and said, right, Wendy, what can you do this? I want to make soup. So she made some leek and potato and put a bit of cheese in it and we worked with it and we potted it and then it that really the rest you say is history really at the time you did that was this just for your lunch or straight away were you thinking uh, straight away uh, I was thinking right now I think this is, yeah, yeah. this is a commercial opportunity yeah. yeah I think it could sit really well we could use the second grade cheese of which inevitably because it was a handmade product there was some of that coming through um just generally the second grade is aesthetics you know unfortunately right. we eat too much with our eyes we do. don't we yeah yeah no it's very so, true so yeah. um if it wasn't quite perfect it was um deemed at second grade so um yeah so i actually then started to um put together a, a business plan and i applied to defra for uh, a grant um under the rural enterprise scheme for which i was awarded one of those for the marketing of a agricultural product so it was nine months of putting together a business plan and submitting it. And okay, this is yeah. again under that encouragement of diversification. Yes, basically. exactly. For it all to sit, and probably another reason to make me be able to 
stay at home and <laughs> work from here. It's, it's, a, it's not a bad office, is it, really? No, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's not a bad place to... Yeah. Not a bad place. And is that, has that gone well? Is that is that yeah, a so significant that was great. part of the business now? Or? Yeah. So it um, we launched with just four different flavors, um, and we were selling it in retail pots, and also in the catering size. Um, and then the business grew quite quickly, and we were maintaining a level of retail. We actually started to do some work with Waitrose, so. Um, that was really good. And at the time, you know, it was a fresh, it's a fresh product. I was going to say, could you work with them because it was longer life? Yeah, it was a short, it was difficult, you know, but um, we were getting a, 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 a an acceptable shelf life on it for them. Um, and at the time, fresh soup was, it was a whole new market. You know, there was us and, I mean, Covent Garden were the real kind of openness to it, yeah, really. Too. They were the, um, so... It was quite a novelty. Yeah. Now, it's completely different. There's it's a, a massive market out there. In fact, we you know we don't make the soup now for the retail pots. It, no. no, it was just became too. Um, it just wasn't cost effective, okay. you know. And we weren't going to buy our carrots in frozen from Poland, or that was going against any of my yeah. beliefs. And so I didn't want to cut the corners. It's a shame, isn't it? But yeah. then, yeah, yeah, it's hard to compete because yeah. other people do. Exactly right. Yeah. Frustrating. It's, it really frustrating. Mm. Really frustrating when the intimation sometimes is that they're not cutting those corners. Yeah. You know, so it's. So it's, you, you still produce it? Uh, so we still produce the soup. So we just took a different line on it. And now we uh, work in just the catering sizes. And uh, again, it goes through our. our brilliant infrastructure of wholesalers okay. and it's sent to um, cafes. Yeah, so this is more for the bar and restaurant trade. A- absolutely, yeah. Okay. But also, um, as that was happening, and obviously the soup was more seasonal um, and that was a big thing for us. You know, we were keeping it seasonal so we would only work with seasonal produce. Nice. Um, and that's why we had to change the flavours. And That was difficult for some people to get their head around. They couldn't understand why we weren't making the same flavours all year round. Well, you know, leeks in June really aren't in their best. Yeah. So it and that was something we really strongly believed in, and we still do. Still do. So Good. it's very much on the seasonal. So so we rotate the flavors regularly. In amongst all that, um, you know, you get gluts of tomatoes, and um, and you get. Then I was buying my my. We were doing a sweet potato and pear with Dorset Blue Vinny soup, and I was buying my pears from a local grower down in near Bridport, um, our well fruit farm. And I remember going to see William once and picking up a whole. Um, talking to him and, and he said, Well I've I've got these um I was I've got these cooking pears, basically it was a pack and pear. He said, you know, do you want do you got any use? Let's have a go. So actually we took them on to and developed a pear chutney. Okay. So we were putting the pears in the soup. Yeah. And then we started a pear chutney and, and that was the first chutney we started, which was absolutely brilliant, yeah. Amazing. And we're still doing that now. Yeah, so what's in the range now then? You've got the you've got the cheese, you've got soup, you've got chutney, is so, it? Yeah, any more? yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of um there's a new product up the sleeve that we hope we'll be launching in the next couple of months, which is quite exciting. Hopefully we can get that right. 
Um, is that a teaser? You're not. You're not telling no, us. What is it? No, no, no. I'm going to hold on to that one for okay, a minute. Great. Um, um, but yeah, so the, the the chutney we've got a very modest range just for for that we've got. We've got a Woodbridge chutney, which is a pear and spices. We've got a tomato chutney. Um, then we've got some sweet pickle cucumbers as well, which is almost one of our signature. Nice products, and these are all under. They're all under the blue name, or blue yeah. Vinny so they're all under the Dorset. Yeah, that's blue. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's Dorset blue, blue soup, soup and Dorset blue Vinny. You know, we actually trade Dorset differently and farmed it, so it's thrown a few complications. Yeah, I was but, just trying to remember. But um, it's really about it all being here at Woodbridge. You know, the home of. And all the all the produce then in the soups and the chutneys tends to be fairly local then, is it? Uh, yeah, farms? absolutely. I mean, the, the the cucumber one came about because we were picking up our tomatoes from a local grower near Yeovil, and um, they were growing for one of the big four. And we went over one day to pick up the tomatoes, and there in this stainless steel bin is um, is a whole mass of cucumbers that unfortunately weren't making the grade because they were wonky. Wow! I said, "What are you doing with those?" <laughs> <laughs> foraging in I people's barns. Yeah, we're going through yeah. the bins. Yeah, so I, I said, well, we'll have them. Well, let's let's go for let's. So and that's how that one really started. And actually, that's that's been a really exciting. That's really good. And does that continue? Can they supply you generally the wonky ones, or do you now have to buy the good ones as well? Yeah, or? so we get a bit of both now because yeah. actually the product. I know that was a tricky one, isn't it? You 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 go. Oh, I'll have all that. I'll have that. And then, oh, oh, crikey, actually, people are buying this product. Oh, my gosh, I need some more now. And, you know, in fact, it's a product we've just started supplying Hall & Woodhouse with in the, within the last month. And it's that's been sort of four years in the wow. trying. It's good. I think it's so important for food waste, isn't it? Because, we, you know, so much energy goes into food production. Yes. So much food gets wasted because yes. it's wonky, which is bonkers. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's important. It's got use. And why on earth would we be importing carrots from from Eastern Europe Absolutely. when yeah we've got all the stuff over Absolutely. here that's being wasted? It's it's just crazy. We just need people to pay an extra twenty p for everything yeah. they're buying to to kind of use the local stuff rather than the cheap imports. I guess. Yeah, that's right. I mean that that's an that's an argument we can have with milk as well. You know, it's it's a that's always a that's another political hot potato, isn't it? Really, but you know, for us, if we got, I mean, a lot of people don't know what they really pay for milk. You know, they want it, they need it. That's in the for us. If we got paid an extra penny, um, then that's over two thousand pounds a month for us. Wow. You know, it's. Okay. So your milk is going to the supermarkets, is it? No. no. So we don't. We supply what milk we don't use. Um, we supply to barbers who then make cheddar as well. So, ah, okay. yeah. so we only use about 30, 35% of our milk. Right. And the rest goes to barbers at Ditchet. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, so you're still avoiding the uh, yeah the supermarkets, which is good. Because that yes. whole issue around... I mean, if milk is, as my understanding, is fundamentally subsidised in supermarkets. Is that still the Probably case? A lost it's, leader. Yeah, mm. lost leader, and mm. and and therefore that is having a you know it's a genuine because you, again you see it in the news but you never really understand. But yeah. It's a genuine impact on farmers. This mm. this constant kind of Massive. price pressure and is that is that improving? Because I think the supermarkets would like to make you believe that some sort of compromise has been reached and there and there yeah. is some kind of balance. Or is is that still a ridiculous uh, amount of I, yeah pressure? yeah it's it's the the biz, the bizarre thing about the industry is that we are the only industry that somebody will tell us what they are prepared to pay for that product once they've taken it. It is we haven't come that far from where we were twenty five years ago with regards to the price of production and all that in, in as much as we're getting paid very similar amounts to what we would have been 25 30 it, you know it is 
when you think of electricity, how that's gone up, you know, labour, how much that's gone up, you know, feed has gone up, fertiliser has gone up, everything has gone up, but what we're paid for our milk is at, certainly out of, of kilter of all of that. And it's an industry that we, we you get told what, what you're going to I find it mind-blowing. I find it amazing that that it hasn't been resolved yet because it, you know nobody you speak to kind of goes it's acceptable or even comprehensible so uh, and yeah. and the impact of like I said you know a, a penny just one p makes such an enormous difference to the farmer that I just don't believe the housewife would know what would notice one p no agreed so the pressure is from the supermarkets presumably there you go. <laughs> <laughs> your, your Don't want to them. You can say what you like. Um, so back to uh, back to Blue Vinny before we get down Let's do that. another badger hole. Let's do that. Uh, yes. Awards. So you're, you've you've won a lot of awards. Any that, oh, any of particular significance yes. to you? Particularly memorable ones? You've had a good couple of years on awards. Yeah, I think, we have. You? We've had a brilliant. We've we've had a brilliant six months. Um, to be honest, Mark, we, we it's a a really lovely recognition for the team who've. Work jolly hard, you know. What's your favourite one? Um, they're all favourites, aren't they? I think it's just really nice to be recognised sometimes. We we had one 10 days ago from the Artisan Cheese Awards, which was the winner of the Protected Food Names class. So we'd have been up against a fairly stiff competition. And, and actually the tasting notes arrived yesterday and, you know, you think, oh, they were so lovely. And it... It's just really nice to hear. You know, you are beavering away and it can drive you mad at times. And just the industry, you know, with the food industry is always a bit of paper to fill in or somebody wanting something else. And sometimes it takes you away from what you really, really want or what you began or why you started it. And so when you actually, you know, get somebody say it's... It's pretty good. It's good. It's nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. And they recognised my dad last year for um, as a Dorset Food and Farming Award. And, you know, my dad's, he's right up there for me. Yeah, that's really good. Was he proud? Oh, yeah, he's or really he, proud. He yeah, he's really proud. Because some farmers are so humble and yeah, kind of dismissive yeah. and um, yeah, they're no. such grafters. But yeah. it meant something to him, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I think he's. I think he's really proud. I think. I think there are probably even moments that he's quite proud. He's got me and Richard here, carrying on his legacy. You know, Good. it's a. It's a whole. It's a whole different world now. You know, I mean, my dad is. You know, was a, an absolutely brilliant farmer, and you know, had the forethought to diverse and, and diversify and be a ambassador, but. It's different now. The business has left him behind now in a funny, in a sad sort of way, I think, sometimes. You know, he he wouldn't know how to switch on a computer. You I was know. going to say, presumably he, not so much from the production side, but from the how you, how you market it, yeah, how you brand it, how you promote it. Is it more that day side, being day, on Instagram and email? And day all that to day, stuff? running, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's still down there. He still gets, you know, he grades the cheese. And, you know, we've tried to... He tries to make his life a bit easier for yeah. him, really, you know. But um, he still enjoys enjoys it though. He's down there in production. Isn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> he's still down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still he's still we 
Yeah, that's, uh, that's exciting. It's good. So, how big are the team now? Then you mean any business is a is a team effort, and yeah, you're absolutely. make it very clear that it's yeah, mm. it's not it's not all about you or even definitely your dad. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, no, how many people are here now? Definitely not. So we've got um, two down in the cheese room, two full time down in the cheese room. Yeah, uh, and we've got uh, full time dairyman and two on the farm, and my brother um, on the farm side, and then on the soup and chutney side. Um, we've got uh, four of us. Four of okay. us are over there. So, yeah, it's a little team. So we're uh, we're under ten, aren't we? But yeah. It's and 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 think you'll grow it more or happy where you're at. Uh, no, you're always always really looking to to grow, to improve, to be more efficient, to look for new, to look to new avenues. I mean, with social media and the onset of all that, I mean, it's changed it dramatically. You know, it's even faster moving really now isn't it you know the contact is great um we still like to pick the phone up though yeah you know i love that i'm not sure always email is it's funny actually, I know, we, we did but... some research recently in the restaurant which which stunned me to find out that uh, 91% of our customers still book by telephone which I was really surprised by right. because I think we we have this obsession of making sure we're available on email and we've got yes. online booking widgets and all that right. kind of stuff but yeah 91% book by phone and and uh, something like 76% book within three hours of arrival right? and I was like well that's what yeah. I would literally never have guessed no. that we've changed it a little bit but deliberately because actually if people book on their, on, on online it's easier yeah. for us yeah, than yeah. taking the phone mm. but yeah it's, uh, it's funny isn't it I think yeah. As human beings, uh, and this is why I love food and drinks, why I love hospitality, mm. it's fundamentally, I think it's in our DNA that we like to sit around a table and, mm. and break bread and drink some wine or mm. have a cup of coffee. Mm. It's the reason that I do these podcasts face-to-face and don't do it mm. by Skype. Is for me, it's all about that human. You can't work yeah. in hospitality, I don't no. think, and want to manage all of your relationships no. by the internet. No. I think it's essential that we we get out. And and knowing where food comes from is exactly Absolutely. the same for me. It's kind of, no, it's made by human beings and yeah. I want to know the people that make it. And I yeah. want to know their stories. I yeah. don't know why. Because I get the people who say, you know, some people don't care. They just no, see food is no, fuel and that's it. That, that's right. But I think that there's so much effort and graft and work and stories yeah. that goes on behind the scenes. It's exciting to see. So. Yeah, it's, I think it's really exciting. And I think on that, we've, we we started a pop-up shop four years ago. And yeah. and just and, and, and the whole reason I started that was because um, we had second-grade cheese, we had off-cuts of cheese, and we we couldn't use it all in the soup. And so what are we what are we gonna do? There's nothing wrong with the cheese. Absolutely wrong. I said, right, we're going I'm gonna try a pop-up shop. So I've got a converted horse box and I dragged it out on the side of the road and I just set up shop there with offcuts of cheese, our chutney. It was all about us. It's all about us. So um and away we go. And and it's absolutely brilliant. You know, I love it. I think inside every little girl, there's a little shop. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. But it's that contact with human. It's talking about our story, people wanting to share our story. The local support I've had has been absolutely phenomenal. I I'm, I can't thank them enough. And that's what I wanted. But going back to like our wonky carrots and our wonky cucumbers, I've got off cuts of cheese. If I have what I suppose we think of as a normal shaped piece of cheese, it will be the last one left. Everybody takes the wonky, the miscuts, the misshapes, because they say it's more authentic, it's real. Oh, I don't worry about that. You know, it's Excellent. it's brilliant. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's funny brilliant. that we all we all like that and we all want it, but it's not what we get in our day to day shop, no. is it? So yeah, it's a strange no. thing. Where do you do those? Here at the farm. So or? here at the farm, every other every other Saturday morning. Yeah, every other yeah. Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So we turn, and it was it was all you know. We put it out on social media. We put it on the website. The date. Sometimes it varies because it is a pop up shop. You know, there are there are other things that might just happen. So, but it's all about us. There's rice pudding because we use the cream from the oh, wow. milk off the cheese, so we make rice pudding. Um, you only make rice pudding for the pop-up? For the pop-up. You don't just, No, I no, we don't. Pudding. I'm coming. Um, excellent, <laughs> excellent. It's a love or hate, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yes, and our chutney. And then we work um, with Oxford. They do a, a, the Dorset Blue Vinnie bread. They do some cheese twists. We work with the Real Cure at Shaftesbury. He does a salami with fig and our cheese in. Oh. Um, so it's all about us. Nice. Yeah. And that's just for what, half a day or all Yeah, day so that's so literally from 9 till 12.30 on a Saturday morning, yeah. Excellent. You yeah. normally in there? Very often it's yeah. me and you get, you get yeah. to chat to the customers because I do. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a fair point if you deal with the wholesalers, you don't you don't hear probably yeah. the amount of love that I hear for for you and your product out there in the industry. All yeah. the chefs, you know, know it and, and, and want to make sure it's on the menu. Uh, yeah. Whereas we're very lucky in the restaurant trade. We we're very lucky we get instantaneous feedback. We're also very unlucky because we get lots of rude people, who, uh, especially on social media, where they don't have to use their names. Yes. Let's not let, yeah. don't get me started. Let's, I'm ranting, I'm ranting about that. Um, so. As you become more known and you get more known in the business, and I suppose, I don't know if there's if there's less or more barriers of entry. We mentioned social media. There just seems to be a real speed of change in mm. in in lots of sectors at the moment, and it's quite disruptive. And you've got this, you know, incredible history of, of Blue Vinny in your family for a long time, but in in, in, a, in culturally for even longer. Are you noticing a lot of, a lot more competition now? Is it has it become harder to kind of fight your corner and fight your battle? Is there a lot more cheeses, or actually does it just feel established now? Uh, and and tick over or is it still? Um, I think that a little bit of, a little bit of both to be honest, Mark. You know, there's um, some hardcore Dorset Blue Vinny supporters that we you know are extremely lucky to have. You know, and um, are regularly supporting us. But there's definitely much more competition out there. But I think that can only be good for the industry. You know, yeah. for us, more people making cheese. It's people talking about cheese. Any cheese, whether it's a blue cheese, whether it's another cheddar, whether any any part of the um, you know anybody that wants to take on making food, making cheese in particular, is is got to be good for us. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people, because are you therefore noticing a change in more people being interested in in the in you know locally made cheeses and not the cheap imports and stuff like that? Do you think do you think people are caring more where their food comes from because of that? Um. I think it's there's definitely a level of wanting to know. I do sometimes feel um, I think it's those that want to know will make the effort to find out. It's uh, sometimes you feel you're preaching to the converted. Mm. Um, when you go, but when you go somewhere like we go to Stumps to Cheese Festival, I mean. I don't know, there might be, I don't know how many cheeses, I'm ashamed to say, I should know how many cheeses are exhibiting at at the Sturmans Cheese Festival, but it's phenomenal, you know, and people's interest, but you wouldn't go to Sturmans Cheese Festival probably if you didn't really like cheese too much, or you would, but there's lots lots of other things, but it's, um, I think 
people, yeah, definitely there are people that are interested in. Yeah, well, the reason I ask is a lot of people have said the same thing, because I, I would be, I suppose it depends on the type of com- of competition, but chatting, for example, to um, Joel from Bad Hand Coffee about the impact of your Starbucks and your Costas and all that, mm. where I would presume they'd go, oh, they're bloody irritating, they drive me bonkers. Mm. Because actually he was like, you know what, that, that they're, a, they're a stepping stone away from instant and actually getting people interested in drinking, you know, reasonably decent yes. coffee the natural evolution of that is they want to upgrade and then they end yeah. up at his coffee and he's like actually every Costas and Starbucks that opens yeah. is probably a benefit to me ultimately and I hadn't even realised that and then I was chatting to some craft brewers who were like actually you know the first place they they tried an interesting uh, not multinational pale ale, ale was at Witherspoons and much as it disappointed me yeah. uh, that that was their route into the market what yeah. it led to was then actually that's actually quite an interesting beer and it's a bit different yes. and then they go on that trajectory and they end up yeah. as, as, as micro brewers so I do think there's room for both but it's funny that you say the same thing yeah. actually yeah the more people coming into the market the more people yeah. that talk about cheese the more yeah. people are interested hopefully absolutely. they end up with you as the yeah, uh, absolutely. yeah the, 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 the pinnacle <laughs> um, and as you do more and you get a more of a reputation I don't know do you, and, and I think probably particularly as a, as a as a woman in business maybe do you get a lot of people coming and asking you advice and questions about how to run a business or how to get into this industry and have you heard anything or your own opinion have you heard anything really bad where you go that's just complete rubbish and complete nonsense or have you heard anything really good or any nugget <laughs> that you give people where you go yes that's what you need to be a success um, I, I guess you're learning the whole time, aren't you? You know, it, 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 there's something will happen every... There, we had an incident yesterday and we are all like, wow, are we living under some sort of stone sometimes? You know, people always surprise you, don't they? Not always for the best. Not always for the best. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, you... you You've got to just have your wits about you a little bit, haven't you? Yeah. And and stand your ground, you know, to some degree. And possibly that's a little bit about being a woman in business because there are plenty of men out there that don't like dealing with us, really? you know. And, and we are a female team on the side for the cheese and, and it always makes us laugh, really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've come a long way, you know. And, and um, yes, it's it's always interesting. Yes, it's always interesting. But, no, I don't, you know, it's it, it, it's hard work. There'll be good days, there'll be bad days. It's moving so quickly, which is great fun and really exciting. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's really, really rewarding. Yeah? Yeah, really, really rewarding. Good. I think that's key, isn't it? You've got to love it. Absolutely. And, and probably not start with the motivation of money, but start with the motivation <laughs> leave of... That one. <laughs> leave that one right behind, yeah. Yeah. In, in enjoy the the moments of talking to people be proud of what we do you know get that good team behind you and enjoy it yeah you've got to enjoy it good well congratulations on all you've achieved because uh yeah it's it's great it's great for the county it's Thank great for you. producers uh where can people go if they want to buy your cheese can they buy it directly from you then or not they um, need to go to so a, come and to visit us either on the on the pop-up shop which would be would always welcome you here um on during those shop times um, visit the website because we have got an online um, facility on there so that's always really nice if you want okay. to send so you it can post direct so we can post direct yeah um, or indeed look for us in independent Denny's farm shops and if you're in any doubt just drop us an email because 
we can then locate it for you and send you in the right direction and and, and just get in touch talk to us okay and yeah. social media you're on the, yeah all we're on the social channels. media on all the channels yes yes so follow us on all of those yeah. and, just uh, just just type in blue vinnie cheese just dorset, blue vinnie. dorset yeah, blue yeah dorset vinnie. blue vinnie and we should pop up and you'll yeah. pop up yeah okay. hopefully so good well it's a real pleasure to come and uh, and see you your space Mark. and to meet you finally having heard your name so many times and, and the cheese's name uh, congratulations and, and yeah good luck for the future and I'm looking forward to a couple of months until the next product release and uh, whatever it is I'm going to come and try it so uh, thank you Emily for sparing the time thank you Mark So there you have it. You have reached the end of another episode of the Humans of Hospitality podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please go and visit our website, humansofhospitality.co.uk for the show notes and extra episodes and information. And whilst you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and to receive free materials all about the humans behind our incredible industry. Lastly, if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast, you will be massively helping me out and it would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much. We'll be launching another podcast in just seven days time. Cheers. Cheers.